Gobert kick out, Favors up and in. Favors bangs inside and rattles home. Yeah. Favors straight away. Boy, quiet crowd here at Amway Center. Derek Favors pops a jumper and nails it. There's Terrence Ross blocked by Faves. Nicely done. Faves. 12 on the shot clock. Skip it inside. Favors sucks it down. Great deep. Splits the fence. Lays it up. No. The follow on the backside by Favors. Draws a double team. Faves. Little flip pass inside of Rudy. And Jacob Donovan. Here comes the youngster in the front court. Fires it to Rudy. Back over the top. Favors. Oh! Welcome back to Home Court Press, this special edition episode. We're recording on a Saturday morning about, oh, I don't know, 18 hours after free agency started. And McCade, you're joining us on the podcast as usual. The Jazz strike fast. They strike early. Jordan Clarkson, they've said he was a primary target and they, they inked him in the first hour. But then about two hours and 20 minutes or so into free agency, the big news for Jazz fans, he's coming home. Derek Favors resigns with the Jazz. Three years, $30 million. Before we talk about either one of these specifically, McCade, how do you feel in general with these two free agency signings? Uh, just in general, they're good. It's good to keep Clarkson. Even if I don't love him as a player, it's just keeping that money on your books for trades and assets. It's always better to bring a guy back than it is just to let him walk. Uh, not always, but for the most part, um, you want to keep your own players just so you can stay up in that financial range to make trades and whatnot. So you always good. want to hang on to assets. Yeah, exactly. There's You don't want to give up two second-round picks for Clarkson and then let him walk at the end of the season up a first-round exit. Yep. Um, and then I like the idea of bringing favors back. We had a whole podcast about that like 10 days ago. Um, we kind of nailed that one on the head. Um, <laughs> yeah, we did. But So you can go listen to that if you really want to get into the nitty-gritty of Derek Favors coming back to the Jazz. Overall, it's a good thing. We'll get into the contracts a little bit. There's some stuff to not love there, but overall... It's what we expected. It's a good thing. It does. It answers some questions, and it brings up a few more questions, which is just how life rolls, so that's okay. I'm pretty excited about this one. I think what the Jazz have done by signing favors, bringing in Clarkson, while I don't necessarily love the, the length of the deals— what I do think is exciting is the Jazz have limited themselves financially right now with these two deals. They're, they're real close to the cap, which is something I'm sure we're going to get into. And they're, they're close to that apron. They're, they're close. I believe they're already hard capped at this point. But what I'm excited about is they've created a roster flexibility moving forward that they haven't had the last couple of years because now they have a lot of these mid-level deals that are very valuable come trade deadline every season in the NBA. They've got favors at about $10 million a season. They've got Clarkson at about $13 million a season. They've got Joe Ingles around $14 million a season, I believe it is. They've got Royce O'Neal. Uh, what did Royce sign for? About 9, nine. to $10 million a yeah. season. So a lot of these really good contracts that if – you decide that your your roster makeup, like they did last season, come December, they realized that this team, the team they had put together, the free agents that they had brought in, were not working and weren't going to get them where they wanted to be. So they made some moves, but they didn't have a ton of flexibility. This next year, if they get to a point where they think that they need to make some changes, they have the contracts, and they even have that expiring Mike Conley deal at, at $30-plus million that will allow them to make whatever moves are necessary to – Open a championship window, I believe. Yeah, and, you know, I've talked a lot about vertical roster building, how I want to have 48 minutes of rim protection, 48 minutes of elite point guard play. I've talked about that mm -hmm. over and over and over and over. And you look at the Jazz nine guys right now, and you have a point guard, and then you have a guy who plays point or shooting, 
and then you have a guy who plays shooting, and then you have a guy who plays shooting or small, and then you have a guy who plays small, and then small and power and power and so on and so forth. So your nine guys are all these perfect overlaps where you have your bookends of Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert. Um, so there's a lot of lineup potential here where you can do a lot of different things, which is good. That's very valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, from a wide, broad perspective, things are good. As I said, questions arise. That's just how life works. Um, the length of the deals can be a little scary, especially Clarkson at four years. The player options are always scary. But overall, those things are a lot more minor than we can make them out to be. Yeah, so let's talk about the, the length of the deal. We'll start with Clarkson. Four years, $52 million. So it comes out to be about $13 million a year, depending on what the you know, signing bonuses and, and things like that incentives end up being. Um, I really like what Clarkson does for this team. I, I enjoyed watching him on the floor. He, he definitely has some warts. There's some frustrating things about his game. He tends to pound the dribble way too much at times. Um, I think that that happened less and less as he was more acclimated to playing with the team when he first came over in December and January. It was hard to watch at times, but he is an automatic bucket. Is that worth the four years on this deal? I, I guess I, I'm i forced to think that Clarkson probably isn't re-signing with the Jazz unless they offer the four years. What do you think? I, I don't know, because the big question is who you're bidding against. There wasn't a lot of wings in this market, so Clarkson was going to for sure get a four-year $40 million NLE offer from a team, probably. So I guess it makes sense. Uh, the player option is a little weird, but I kind of get the link from the leverage of Clarkson's standpoint. From the Jazz perspective, I don't like it, but as I said, Clarkson had that leverage, and so just seeing what both sides had on the table, it kind of makes sense how they got there, even if you don't like it from the Jazz point of view. And what about the player option? I know that was something that you're not a big <laughs> fan of. I, I saw you actually had a had a tweet from, and I assume it was somebody you were speaking with at the conference you did earlier this yeah. year, a former GM, and, and he said that, I'm paraphrasing on this one, but basically good front offices give team options and bad front offices give player options. Does which, that which apply here? Sense, right? The good yeah. front offices keep the control on their side of the court. The bad ones let it go. Um, I don't believe that as strongly as this general manager did and i will say this he was not a very good general manager in the nba there's a reason he's a former general manager but i think it was interesting that when you're giving out player options like this it does limit your control you don't know what's going to be going on in 2023 2024 so it's not great but i don't think it's as big a deal as i said some people might make it out to be especially the favors one um these guys would really have to fall off and at the end of the day every contract super tradable um, yeah, we just saw Timothy Mozgov and Bismack Biombo, who had seventeen, eighteen million dollar contract, got traded like three or four times. At the very, very end of the day, a Clarkson for thirteen million and a cap that's one hundred thirty-five million or whatever is very tradable. And I mean, James Johnson's making sixteen million; he's been traded like four times this week. So there is always value in that level of contract, that middle class contract, like you mentioned, regardless of how good the player is. Myers Leonard signed with the Heat yesterday, and everyone's like, holy crap, how did he get two years, $20 million? No, he got $10 million to be traded in two months. Yep. Um, yep. So there's, I don't, there's not, it's not a bad thing that these guys are in a contract that long because you're going to be able to trade him if it gets to that, and that's okay. All right, now let's talk about the guy that people really care about as Jazz fans. <laughs> he was with the franchise for several years, already in the top 10 for games played in franchise history. Spent one season in New Orleans, and I, I'm 
I don't know, man. I felt like from the moment he got traded, it was just a matter of time until Derek Favors came back to Utah. Did you feel that way? Yeah, this is good. His New Orleans year is going to go down like Carmelo's Los Angeles year, where you're going to see pictures of it and be like, that didn't happen. There's no That's way that real? happened. I don't remember that. Um, <laughs> it's even weirder when you see him in a New Jersey Nets uniform that he played like 16 games at. But yeah, Derek Favors is a jazz man. Uh, I want to say for life, but we'll see. Um, really good signing. Both sides, it seemed like, had a lot of interest going back four, five, six months ago. It wouldn't shock me if they talked about this before he got traded and they signed Boyan. They went, hey, we got to move on from you to sign Boyan, but if you want to come back next year, you have our phone number. Um, mm-hmm. Don't sell your house and move all your stuff. Um, I don't know if it was quite that far back, but there was obviously interest for quite some time that this was going to be a thing. It seemed pretty clear. For those that like to follow the social media and every time – Derek Favors would tweet. Jazz fans were all over it. Say, hey, come home, Derek. And occasionally you'd see Favors would favorite some different tweets talking about returning to the Jazz and things like that. And really just going into free agency this year, it just felt like something that was inevitable. If the Jazz were, were going to make a fair offer, Derek Favors was going to be coming back to Utah. And I'm really excited to see him here. And not just because he's a good person and because the Jazz have had him in the past and I liked who he was back then. I think he fits in really well on this team. And we've seen how effective defensively the Jazz can be with Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors in the lineup, whether they're on the floor together or you're spacing out their minutes. I I kind of expect you and I talked about this before we started recording, but there's talk that Favors might not start, but I just that doesn't seem very likely to me because I think for this to be worth it, you have to have 10 to 12 minutes a game with Favors and Gobert on the floor at the same time. Which, in 2016-17, 2017-18, and 19, Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert on the court together was in the 99th percentile defensively. Like, yeah. they just lock it down. Like, yep. might be the best duo defensively the entire league. You can't score on them because if one of them gets switched out to the perimeter, the other one guards the rim, and vice versa. And they have each other's back, and they help close possessions. There's a lot of possessions this year where Rudy would get stuck out on the perimeter, force a stop because Rudy's a great perimeter defender regardless of what the narrative might be, and then the Jazz couldn't get a rebound because Boyan can't rebound and Royce is good, but he's you know he's a wing guard. He's yeah. not a big mm-hmm. man. And so they would let up an offensive rebound, and that goes away with Davis on the court. Um, and so they do really fit well together for 10 to 15 minutes a night, maybe not 30 minutes a night, but for t- 16 minutes of favor, 16 minutes of Gobert in favor, and 16 minutes of Gobert, it's a really, really, really good formula on how to win games. Well, what I think is going to make all the difference in the world is when you look at the roster building now compared to the roster building in 16-17 and 17-18 is when you had Gobert and Favors on the floor, you know that they are two non-shooters and they also had a non-shooter at the point guard position in Ricky Rubio. That's going to be a huge difference this season when you've got Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson are going to be the guys playing a lot of those point guard minutes. And those, those guys are all threats from the perimeter. So defenses aren't going to be able to sag off and create the, the spacing difficulties that the Jazz had in previous iterations of the Gobert and Favors lineup. And that's something that really excites me because I think that the, the Quinn Snyder offense – is really designed in a lot of ways to work around two bigs consistently in the lineup. And we kind of saw that last year as things would bog down occasionally. Yes, they had a, a very good offense and they because they were a great shooting team, but I didn't feel like they were able to create opportunities as easily last season as they had in seasons past. 
Yeah, and so I really like the favor signing. The only thing, I don't even care about the player option. That's fine on the favors contract on a third year. The only thing I'm questioning is I kind of wish they would have saved about $900,000 off favors contract to give uh, Elijah Hughes a third year by using part of the MLE on Elijah Hughes. We talked about how that's pretty common, Duncan Robinson, that kind of thing. And that could still happen. I don't know how done the favors deal is. They might still be able to convince him to take $900,000 less. Um, but that, that's a very minor detail. Uh, as long as Hughes doesn't break out into a superstar, we won't really care that that third year isn't on there. Let's start um, wrapping this up, McCade. So yeah. what is left for the Jazz? What do they have in free agency dollars to spend? The biannual exception is still available. Where do they sit, and how do you think them addressing the, the rest of their roster needs? You know, they probably could use a third point guard. Uh, a lot of people would argue that they would do well to try and sign a defensive wing with some good length. So what do you see the Jazz doing over the next few days as free agency continues? Yeah, so we have like five non-guaranteed contracts at the bottom of our roster, so it's hard to like predict, like, oh, we have two roster spots left, um, or we have four, you know, who are we going to cut, who are we not? But in short, you basically have what I'm predicting anyways, one roster slot, one two-way spot, and one training camp invite, because the Jazz did sign Jake Toulson, you have a UBYU player to an Exhibit 10 contract, so he'll be with the Stars next season. So you kind of have one of all three of those roster spots left, and just trying to figure those out. Um, Gerald Brantley's still a free agent. I'm assuming he's going to come back on a one-year, I mean, maybe a probably two-year minimum deal. Justin Wright Foreman's an option for that other two-way contract. Moutier's still a free agent on our cap hold, but I'm assuming he's gone. But in short, the Jazz are currently about $3.5 million over the tax, and they still have their biannual IOE I'm interested to see what they do with it by, you know, because they can either use it, go right up against the hard cap. And that's another player at 3.5 million that could help a team. You cannot use it. Maybe try and trade some players, Mike Conley, Jordan Clarkson, who knows down the line, trying to get back under the tax. So they still have a lot of options, a lot of questions that need to play out over the next few months. But as of right now, I still think they have one more roster spot to fill, whether that's keeping Rajon Tucker, Nigel Williams, Goss or signing somebody is up for debate. That's kind of where I see things as of now. Okay, so maybe not going out of their way to pursue any more big names. Uh, what about the possibility of a signing like Jeff Green was last season? You know, a, a veteran who comes in on the the minimum because then you don't have to worry about the cap with the, those minimum deals. Is there anybody like that out there that the Jazz might have their eyes uh, on? There's still a couple options. I'd have to go through it. I mean, tr- signings are happening as we're recording this. Everything's crazy. I'm trying to keep track of it all. There's a couple options. Like Shaq Harrison's still a solid guard, defensive player. I love who him. You might be able to get. I'd assume the Suns would match anything on Javon Carter, but you never know. Yep, he's um, another he's guy good. I like. So maybe you offer him the BAE and see if the Suns match or something. Uh, quickly with the biannual. So as you can tell, it's called the biannual, which means you, if you use it, you don't get it the next year. But the biannual activates the hard cap, and the Jazz are going to be over the hard cap next year, so they're not going to be able to use the biannual next season, which means there's no reason to not use it this season. So now the question is, do you use it right now? Do you save it for maybe the buyout market? In four, I don't want to say four or five months, but I mean, we're already in November. In three months, um, there's, the biannual is there, and there's options there. And how the Jazz use that will probably give us a glimpse of if they're going to try and get back under the tax, if they're going to go up against the hard cap, or what they're going to do. But I do expect the Jazz to either use the biannual or make a trade at some point this season to get back under the tax. One of those two things. Because we are going to be in the tax for a while. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we are. You got anything else for us before we wrap up? 
still waiting for the Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert contracts. We'll see what happens there. Um, kind of weird the Donovan Mitchell contract hasn't been announced yet. I'm assuming they're just working with Rudy right now because Donovan's will be so easy. Yeah. And one last thing I really want to mention that I'm super excited for. Boyan played all of his minutes next to Rudy last year. Like, literally, like 95 97% somewhere in there because the Jazz were just so scared to play Boyan without Rudy. With favors on the bench, you can now utilize Boyan to help the bench a little bit at times, um, depending on if injuries happen or if that's just the way they want to go. You can now play Boyan on some of the bench minutes um, to help out offensively if needs be. So that's something fun that I don't think a lot of people are thinking about that did come up from this. But uh, still a lot of work to be done. Good things happening. Free agency's in full swing. It's not over yet. We'll see what happens between now and Wednesday when we record again. And the season starts a month from tomorrow. Where can I find you on social media? At McCadep8, that's M-C-C-A-D-E-P-8. I've been tweeting a lot and tweeting a lot of pictures of cat sheets and stuff and some nerdy stuff, so come give me a follow and let's talk. Great jazz information from McCade on Twitter. You can find me, Brian Priest, at bpriest24. That's at B-P-R-E-E-C-E-24. And this has been our free agency update. We wanted to talk about the big signings with Derek Favors and Jordan Clarkson coming to the Jazz. But if you like the show, remember to share, rate, and review so other people can find it. And then make sure Wednesday morning, tune in as we will be posting another episode. We'll be talking more the the wide universe of NBA free agency and all of the signings that have happened. But thanks for tuning in and have a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend.